Hey guys, sharpen your nails and build your soul gauge. This week we're digging into Hollow Nest and we're going to talk about Hollow Knight. Hey guys, welcome back to 8-Bit Archaeology. My name's Eric and I love talking about video games. So I want to start off this episode with a little housekeeping. I apologize for the uh, about, I think, month delay in between this episode and the last one I put out, but between a couple family vacations and just needing some time to recharge, uh, I decided not to put out an episode that I wasn't fully confident in, so I wanted to wait until I was back, fully recharged, and could resume making episodes at a steady pace. So that's what I'm here to do this week. So, what are we going to be talking about this week? Well, I guess it's pretty evident uh, by the title of the episode that this week we're going to be talking about a little game called Hollow Knight. Now, everyone on the internet has been talking about this game since it released uh, last year on PC, and it hit an even bigger stride when it came to the Switch this year, and I can tell you that it is a game that I have sunk a pretty decent amount of time into, probably about 40 hours at this point, so I feel like I was finally at a point where I could talk about the elements of the game that I liked and kind of roll that into sort of an episode about Metroidvanias because that's a topic I've been wanting to, wanting to talk about on the show for a long time now. So let me start by talking about my experience with Hollow Knight. So the first time I think I heard of Hollow Knight, it was uh, when it got announced for Switch, basically. I forget whenever that uh, Direct was, but that first Direct, it was announced. I saw the game and instantly was intrigued by it because of the cartoonish art style, the look of the world, you know, the beautiful environments. And it really drew me in just at, fir- at first glance, and I thought, I had to have this. So, you know, E3 comes around, they do their, Nintendo does their E3 Direct, and Hollow Knight is available for purchase right now. So, of course, I go on the eShop, download it immediately, and I become immersed from the minute that I picked it up. I think uh, the first stint that I played in the game, I put about 15 hours into it, and I was loving it. And then I got to a couple boss fights that were... Uh, giving me a really hard time, and I decided to put the game down for a little bit. Well, recently I'd been listening to a couple interviews by the game directors, and it made me want to pick up Hollow Knight again. So I went in, uh, beat the bosses that I uh, was stuck on, and then promptly proceeded to put about another 25 hours into it. And that's basically where I'm at now. I'm at uh, 40 hours into the game. I'm reaching pretty much at the end of the game in terms of the story, and I feel like I've uh, explored enough of the of the game's world to be able to talk about it in an intelligent way and what I love about this game so much. Now, one thing we should establish too, just for anyone who may not know the term, that Metroidvania is sort of an overused term to describe action platformer games that resemble the sort of progression of games like Super Metroid and Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Basically what that means is that it's an action platformer where your uh, access is limited through sort of, uh, we'll call them gates and you need certain abilities to get through these gates. Now, they're not like physical built gates in the game, it just means that you have, there's there's an upgrade that your character needs to be able to proceed to a new area. So these games have a progression where you move through an area, uh, find some place that you can't get access to, eventually get an upgrade, circle back, go to that new area, explore, find a new upgrade, rinse, repeat. Gradually with your uh, hero getting stronger, and you exploring a lot more of the world's map. And generally these games tend to be exploration based as well. So you're going through a lot of different environments, experiencing a lot of different enemies, combat, and uh, sort of scenarios that t- take either your hero, anti-hero, whatever it is, to a certain point in the plot. So Hollow Knight falls under this category. And the reason I want to talk about this game sp- specifically w- when in regards to Metroidvanias is because, and, and I know it's been talked to death, but I wanted to give my own opinion on it. 
uh, is the fact that this game isn't just one of the best Metroidvanias to come out in recent history, but it also it's just so well designed that everything from the graphics to the environment to the soundtrack of this game is just so on point with what creates a holistic experience for a game that it's it's it, you can't not talk about it. You can't talk about Metroidvanias anymore without talking about Hollow Knight. So why don't I stop talking in generalizations and let's dig into what I really thought about this game. So let's talk about some basic info behind Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight was developed by the studio Team Cherry, which is a very small studio of independent game developers who, I guess the, the creation of this game started as a game jam from one weekend. The two the two main designers worked on a game jam uh, where they used the same bug sprite that ended up being in the final Hollow Knight game, which is kind of a cool way for it to start. And then they iterated on the character on another game uh, game jam that they entered as well. And eventually they decided they wanted to turn this into a full game. Uh, so basically, the world of Hollow Knight consists of a sort of post-apocalyptic bug world, if you can imagine what that uh, looks like. Uh, the game is built around a heavy sense of immersion and, exp and exploration and has a really thick atmosphere to it. Uh, the style of the game is very uh, hand-drawn, cartoonish, very different from the sort of wave of Metroidvanias that are pixel art. And it's actually really refreshing, and the, arts, the art itself is beautiful. There's so much detail in every single area on the map that it's crazy. Um, and honestly, I've been playing the Switch version. I know it garnered a lot of respect last year on PCs, and everyone's been talking about it since then, but I've been playing on Switch. And being able to take a game like this with me where it doesn't need to be blown up on a big screen to really appreciate the art all the time is really great. It's really good to play in micro bits too, so it fits the, fits the Switch pretty well. So let's talk about the points of Hollow Knight that I really, really, really got into. So let's start with exploration. Basically, you're traveling through this world called Hollow Nest, which, when you you start out the game is very empty, cold and barren, and you have your little bug avatar who we presume from the beginning is the the titular Hollow Knight. And you know, that's up for some debate, but we can call him either the Hollow Knight or the Knight. Basically, you take this character through an underground labyrinth of different uh, map areas that have distinct feelings to them. So you start off in a very cold, bleak one called uh, Forgotten Crossroads, and then you move into some more colorful ones like the Green Path, which is a lush forest, or the Fungal Waste, which is a world consumed in purple tones and mushrooms. So there's a lot of variety in the atmospheres with this game, and exploration in this game is something that that you will spend most of your time doing. Exploration is going to be the main chunk of gameplay here, right? So exploration needs to be fun. And in typical Metroidvania fashion, there's hidden rooms, secret areas, items scattered all across the map that you can collect. And exploring in this game is genuinely fun because the way the night controls is tight. Combat feels great. There's a tactility to everything in this world. You whack your sword against the wall, it pushes you back. Uh, you make a certain jump, it has give to it. It's not just a straight up jump. So there's a lot of... Uh, w the, the way the expo exploration works so well in this game is because the way the character handles is great and the environments are uh, beautifully handcrafted. So, you know, each each section of this game is all hand-drawn in a cartoonish style, like I mentioned before. Uh, almost if, like, there was a Saturday, night, Saturday morning cartoon that was drawn by Tim Burton. That's the best way I can describe it. And everyone in this world is a bug, basically. 
basically. And the enemies you encounter have been overcome by this sort of infection that's spread throughout all of Hollow Nest and has sort of led to uh, the sort of post-apocalyptic state that the world's in. Now, you don't know where the infection came from, you don't know uh, how it's being contained, and you don't know sort of what you're working towards in the very beginning. You stumble across this uh, sort of black-gated area in the beginning that has three keys to it, and those come into play later in the game. You basically have to unlock three keys to make it into the final area, where, which is where the spread of the infection comes from. But I'm not going to spoil any more than that because it's something that everyone should play through themselves. But what I will say about the world is that it feels very intricately crafted. It feels like a fully realized world when you enter it, and there's another element to this that sort of works really strongly in Hollow Knight's favor is that the storytelling is very vague. Uh, the writers and designers for the game put in small bits of lore, but they even made it so they don't even know completely what the plot of the game is. There's there's clear points to the plot, but there's a lot of gray area that's left for the player to interpret as they're moving through the world. So it's sort of these like subtle clues of lore hidden throughout the world that you find as you go through, or through, you know, NPC dialogue about the way the Hollow Ness used to be before the infection spread, and sort of piecing all those things together that gives you your own frame of reference for the world in your head, and how you view Hollow Nest. But then it's also the fact that all the environments you're moving through don't feel like they're blocky or generated in any way. They feel like they're organic and sort of flow together, and the progression of them feels like a testament to your character getting stronger at the same time. So with that, let's pivot into the gameplay elements and what makes sort of moving through this world so addicting. So besides exploration, another big part of the gameplay here is combat. So how does combat in Hollow Knight work? Well, you you essentially have a sword, but in the game it's called a nail, and this is a weapon that you can upgrade over time. Now, the the way the combat feels so good in this game is, like I mentioned before, is that there's sort of a tactility to it. When you hit something with your nail, it has give to it. When you hit an enemy, you get pushed back. When you hit a wall, you get pushed back. And it's this sort of, and it has a, you know, a sort of like crunching sound that goes to it too. There's, there's a lot of factors that go into making combat that feels good and satisfying because it feels like you're actually hitting an opponent and not just swinging a virtual sword which I think is a huge testament because if that combat didn't work, the game could be very boring. Um, now, along with along with uh, a sword, you have multiple different sort of spells that you can uh, that you can use as you go through the game. You get a projectile attack, you get a sort of explosion above you attack, um, you get sort of a ground pound, and those all sort of become incorporated from finding different upgrades by, they're either gated behind bosses or a tough platforming section or a mob room or something like that. Now, all these things allow you to customize your playstyle to how you want to. And the other sort of system that goes hand in hand with this is the soul system, which is basically your life in the game. So the health system in this game, you have a, a row of what are called masks, which are basically hit points. They dictate the amount of hits you can take. So, you know, if you have seven masks, you can take seven hits. When you get later in the game, some bosses do attacks that do two masks worth of damage, but generally everything uh, does one mask of damage just as a rule of thumb. So basically that means you have you can hit that many times. Now, what what you can do is when you hit enemies with your nail, you gather soul from them. So you have this sort of sphere meter up in the corner that gathers soul as you hit enemies. 
and what you can do with soul after a certain by by focusing your character and ex extending a certain amount you can actually heal yourself so what happens is you sort of get in this loop of you may fumble and get hit but then you fight the enemy and you gain back enough soul to recover that mask that you just lost so what this does is it sort of teaches the player to be aggressive in their combat because by being aggressive you can actually heal yourself and that's how you stay alive because there are a lot of times in this game where you're going to either make a wrong fall or hit an enemy by mistake or the hitbox is going to be off and you're going to take a hit that you didn't mean to. So by giving players a way to heal themselves by being aggressive in combat it encourages them to have that play style and not just hide and shy and run away from things. So the other sort of system that works into this is the system called charms. Now charms are basically these equipable items that you collect as the game goes on that modify your character's abilities. So it can be anything from increasing the run speed of your character to making it so your dash ability can do damage as you dash through them things like that. Or there's even one where when you're focusing and healing yourself, you emit a cloud of spores that slowly damages people over time. So there's a lot of uh, different sets to, to, to mess with so you can find a game style that you really like. Whether you like to dodge constantly and do damage as you're dodging, or if you'd like to go in guns blazing and just do the maximum amount of damage, there's there's charms that will up your damage output and also increase it as your, as your masks get knocked away. Or if you want to play it more safe and build a set around healing where every time you take damage you get soul back along with hitting people, and you can also get one that, you know, sort of protects you as you're healing. So it's things like that that allow for a highly customizable playstyle that also needs to be adaptive because one charm set is not going to get you through the entire game. You need to be able to adjust your charm set as you move through because different bosses are going to require different charm sets. For one boss you might need to really focus on dodging and just being able to tap them when when you get a chance to. Some boss fights you're going to need to, you know, have the the quick healing one on so that you can heal heal uh, really fast because you have a small window for it. So all these things sort of factor into making a combat system that encourages players to mostly be aggressive but also allows them to customize it how they want. If you want to focus on using your sort of spirit attacks like your shout or the sort of explosion that you have or something like that, you can. Or if you want to just focus on nail combat and dodging, you can do that too. So there's a bunch of different play styles in, in the works here and you can also have different... I, I mean personally I have a charm set for when I'm exploring that lets me collect the currency of the world easily by just bringing it to me so I can't miss it. And also just other sort of passive pins that are charms that have effects that benefit me while exploring but then I change over to another set for boss fights because I want, you know, quick focus and a defense and thorns of agony and other passive things that do more damage and also allow me to heal quickly. So it's this sort of adaptive set of tools that the player has that makes combat so satisfying. Another system that sort of works into combat is sort of your character upgrades as you go through the world, right? So the different abilities that you unlock as that allow you to explore new areas can also come into play for combat. So like I mentioned before, you gain a dash ability that eventually when you upgrade it enough allows you to dash through enemies and do damage at the same time by using the right charm. Or you get a double jump ability that allows you to clear over most enemies easily. Or you get a wall jump that you can use to pivot around enemies. So there's sort of a progression in not only exploring the world but also so making your character feel more powerful with every foe you come up against because you have another tool in your set to take these guys on, right? So, for example, there was a boss I was stuck on where he had me trapped in a corner and I couldn't dodge his attacks because I didn't have the right moveset. I came back later after having getting a couple upgrades, you know, upgrading my dash so I could dodge through him and do damage at the same time and also uh, double jump over him 
to dodge as he did a sort of charge attack. Now, what happened was I went from getting pummeled to being able to to basically school the boss because I had unlocked the right tools to be able to dodge his attacks and also do damage passively as I was dodging. So you can sort of alter your play style based on the abilities you have to be able to take on different situations. And I think it's the sort of overall progression of making your, you know, sort of vessel character, the Hollow Knight, feel more powerful as he goes on, not only through platforming mechanics, but also through combat that feels so satisfying about this game. There's a real sense of progression that you're always finding something new and you're always finding a way to upgrade your character. And that sort of constant progression makes it uh, super satisfying to keep progressing through the game. So what I want to pivot to into next is sort of the, uh, what kind of turned me off for a little while, but ended up being an impetus for getting back into the game. And that's sort of the difficulty of the game. So I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the sort of difficulty of progression in the game and the fact that Hollow Knight is not a very easy game in general. It's definitely not maybe Dark Souls level of difficulty, but it's definitely a game that will test your abilities even if you are very thoroughly acquainted with Metroidvania platformers or action platformers of any kind. And that's sort of what got me lost on the game for a little while. So basically, I got to the point where I was stuck on two separate boss fights about a week or two after the game initially came out. I put 10 or 15 hours into it, and I was stuck on these bosses, and I could just not, I couldn't, I couldn't beat them. And I, and I got so frustrated with it that I put the game down. And then recently, I decided to pick the game back up after listening to so many rave reviews of the game, and I was like, okay, you know what? I, I beat Celeste earlier this year. I can do this. So I went back in, and I took time, and sure, I died a lot on the two bosses that I was stuck on, but I eventually figured out their patterns and techniques and then used that knowledge to beat them. It's sort of weird because most bosses, if you break them down to to a base level, are just a set of movement mechanics that can that if you know how to read them, you can dodge very easily. So by the time I was, you know, beating those two bosses, I had their movesets down like that to the point where I could just dodge every attack that was coming at me and, and you know, gradually deal them damage. Uh, another part of the sort of combat system in this game is like, they want the player to be aggressive, but if you get too greedy, you will uh, pay for it because you're opening yourself up to more damage. So what I, what I love about the difficulty progression of Hollow Knight is that also with, you know, you're going to be tested on a ton of bosses. There's over, there's 20 or more bosses in this game. And there's over, I think about a hundred and there's about a hundred different kinds of enemies. And each of these enemies has different movement sets, different faults, different weaknesses, and you have to learn them. So when you initially enter an area, you, it can be very overwhelming to come up against a huge enemy that you have no clue how to tackle it. But then by the by the time you're done with that area, you feel you've sort of owned it, and you can walk through most enemies like it's a breeze. You have their movement patterns down, you know their attacks, you know how to evade them when you just want to move through and not confront them. It's things like that that sort of you know, I think I talked about this briefly with Axiom Verge a little bit, where where your character gradually gets more powerful, and you feel like you own the map a bit more. But Hollow Knight does that more, even more so because I feel like the boss fights in this game are a lot more interactive and rely on you honing your skills and being patient. You can't run in guns blazing to any of these bosses because you're going to get your butt handed to you, whether you like it or not. Even the first, even the first boss, I think it's the um, the False Knight. If you don't know what you're doing, he can he can whoop you two ways from Sunday and you can get frustrated from it. I mean, I definitely died a few, you know, died a handful of times to it my first playthrough. Uh, but by the end, you know, you have to learn the mechanics and you need to be patient to be able to overcome the challenge. And that's part of what is really satisfying about the game because 
when you beat a boss, you feel like you have owned the boss. You feel like you have done everything in your power to learn this boss's mechanics, whether you've died 5, 10, or 15 times. I, I mean, it depends on how, how you know good you are at difficult games or the combat or anything. But it's also, you know, going through and testing new charm sets, and maybe you make certain boss fights easier by doing a different charm loadout, and you find something that really works. So it's this sort of system of trial and error with, with your combat and tactics, and also learning these different bosses that sort of culminate in a sense of conquering the large obstacles in this world and when you conquer them you're rewarded for it and that's sort of the thing one of the things the Hollow Knight does really well I mean uh, most Metroidvania sorry most Metroidvanias give you a reward for overcoming a boss but it's just sort of okay what what am I getting for this and it's usually something very substantial whether it's a part of a mask shard that you can upgrade your health with or it's a new movement ability it really does depend on the boss and each boss's reward is not the same so that also keeps it fresh too you're not just expecting like you know when you beat a boss in Zelda you get a new heart container it's not like that every time you get a different reward every time you go through it may be a charm it may be a new uh, upgrade to your movement mechanics it may be a new spell, whatever it is, it's this sort of sense of wanting to overcome these bosses to be able to become stronger in general and feel a sense of ownership over the titans of Hollow Nest that you just want to keep going. And I have almost rage quit again on several different bosses, and I'm at, a, I'm at a couple right now that are also testing my patience, but I have the resolve to keep working on them and get through it because it feels so satisfying to overcome obstacles in this game and to keep pushing forward and see what the next area looks like and see what is just around the corner that it keeps the player wanting to move and that that's sort of you know all part of this sort of holistic experience because this world is just so finely crafted everything down from the art styles the distinct areas the the sound effects which if you didn't know all of these sort of voices of the monsters and the characters in this game are actually human voices that have been distorted or recorded to make ungodly sounds. I don't know if you know what if you know what the fluke marm is, you'll know what I'm talking about. There are some nasty noises coming from some of the enemies in this game, but then also the the NPCs that you can converse with also have sort of a, a mumbling uh, sort of dialogue effect, kind of similar to Banjo Kazooie, but not as obnoxious, I would say. So it's sort of all these things, and, and oh, the soundtrack. I, I didn't even really touch on the soundtrack that much, but the soundtrack of this game is just so atmospheric that it just keeps you immersed in the world. This is a game I would heavily, again, advise wearing headphones when you're playing it because it just it keeps you so engaged with the game and the atmosphere and just the the overall world design that it's essential. I, I, I couldn't play through this game without hearing the music at this point. So with that, let's sort of uh, move into the conclusion and wrap up what makes Hollow Knight, in my, in my opinion, such a complete package in terms of a Metroidvania game. So in conclusion, what can we kind of you know, what, what do all these sums of parts add up to that makes Hollow Knight such a, a beautiful, holistic Metroidvania experience? I think it's the fact that this world is built on subtle, subtle hints of lore and forces the player to experience it themselves and also gain a mastery over the landscape and, and you know, does an excellent job of driving the player to 
seeking what's around the next corner. I, I highly recommend this game to everyone needs to at least give this game a try. You know, the for for the price that the game is, I think it's generally $15 on every platform. You're getting well over 40 to 50 hours of content just the base game, not to mention all the free DLC that they've added at this point. You're doing yourself a disservice by not playing this game if you love Metroidvanias. So, I highly recommend this to anyone even if you can't get to the end. I think it's just worth playing through and experiencing it because I really do think this game is going to become sort of the new cornerstone for Metroidvanias or games that tackle this similar genre because it just does everything so well. Games are going to be compared to Hollow Knight for years to come and that's a true and they already are and that's a testament to how good this game really is. So I want to thank you all for listening and stopping by and hanging with me while I took a little break and had some downtime and recharge but I'm back and I want to keep going with episodes and I'm probably going to be orienting it more towards games that I'm playing through. So on the horizon, we're looking at games like, um, I don't know, Okami, maybe an episode on strategy games and Into the Breach, something like that. I have a, I have quite a few games on the backlog that I'm working my way through right now. So where can you find us? Uh, we have a Discord server that I would love if you joined in. Come, come let us know what you're playing. Come discuss different elements of games that you love. Um, and you can find the link to the Discord in the show notes. Um, you can also, you know, follow us on Twitter at 8BitArch, and you can also email us feedback at, at 8BitArch at gmail.com. I want to thank you for listening so much. I really appreciate you guys listening to me rant about video games on a basically bi-weekly basis, and I love doing this. I love making, I love just rambling on about games that I love, and I know the structure of the show has sort of flowed into different ebbs and flows, and some episodes I will focus on specific games, more like this one, and then some things I'm going to tackle genres. It's kind of all ad-lib, and pretty soon I'm going to have another guest host on, so stay tuned to see what that game is and who who I'm bringing on. So thank you guys for stopping by. I appreciate it. I will see you all next time.